Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, good morning. Um, last week, uh, if you weren't able to be here, we uh, kicked off our new series in the Psalms. I'm very excited uh, to be going through the Psalms together over the next uh, about eight weeks. And uh, what we're going to do, the plan is uh, really pretty simple. We're going to look at, um, at eight different Psalms over these next eight weeks. We don't have time to look at all 150, so we're going to focus in on eight. Uh, and as we do that, we really want to ask one simple question. Uh, how does this psalm point us to Jesus? How does this psalm point us to Jesus? And we'll discover a lot of other things uh, in the midst of our study of the psalms, but at least that. We want to let God's Spirit speak through God's Word to point us to His Son, Jesus. So that's our simple goal as we go through um, this series. And, um, and so I want to just encourage you. I mentioned this last uh, week. Uh, one of the things I would encourage you is to kind of immerse yourself in the psalms themselves. So one of the powerful things about the Psalms is just uh, they're meant to be uh, read and said and sung repeatedly. And they have been for, for millennia by God's people. And so one of the things you can do is you can get a, a book of common prayer. There's little red books around. You can order one on Amazon. Um, or if you need to get one, just come see me and I'll help you get one. Um, but there's a reading plan in there. And then there's also a whole collection of Psalms in there. And there's a guide on how to read the Psalms morning and, and evening. And you can get into this rhythm of just reading them. And if that sounds like too much, just maybe read one psalm a day. Just find some time during the day and just start with Psalm 1. And the next day, Psalm 2. And the next day, Psalm 3. And so I just encourage you to kind of immerse yourselves. We said it's kind of like learning a new language, right? So just immerse yourselves in the world of the psalms, just like you'd immerse yourselves in a new country or new culture to learn that language. Um, I want to encourage you. There's just a couple of resources I want to point you towards that I have found to be really helpful as we're starting the series. Um, and one of them is uh, this 12-week study in the Psalms from the Knowing the Bible series. Um, so this is a great resource. Uh, you could do it by yourself. You could do it to kind of supplement what we're doing in life groups. Uh, if you want to grab a couple of friends and just kind of work through this, this would be a great resource. Um, there's a bunch on uh, the table back there, but I have Three free copies right here. And if you want to stop by and see me right after the service, first three people to come see me, get a free copy of this, okay? Deal? And then the other one is uh, Christ in the Psalms by Patrick Henry Reardon. Um, it's a one-pager devotion on each of the Psalms. You just kind of work through them sequentially. And I have really, uh, really found this to be encouraging and um, just really thoughtful and really drawing me into God's presence uh, through this. Um, this is my copy. You can't have it. Um, but you can find this on Amazon, Christ in the Psalms. So I highly recommend this. There's lots of great uh, resources. If you find one you like, tell somebody about it. Let's encourage each other to be studying God's word uh, together. So uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22. So I want to invite you to open up your Bible uh, to Psalm 22. If you need a Bible, there's, uh, there's black uh, ESV copies in the seat back near you. you can grab one of those and open it up to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, those words that Les just read for us. Uh, as, we're, as you're opening up to it, um, you know, this, this psalm begins with a question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Uh, and this question why is a, a question that I actually get confronted with, uh, not uh, quite in this way, but often confronted with as a parent. Uh, I get a lot of why questions uh, in my house, especially when my kids were uh, a little bit smaller, but they still come to me with, uh, with a, lot, a lot of why questions. Why can't I have another cookie, right? Or why can't uh, I sit in the front seat yet? You know, these are kinds of questions that just kind of bubble up in the midst of our everyday life. And I was thinking about the why questions that kids ask, and I came across some of these uh, on Twitter. There's some really funny why questions that kids ask. So I just wanted to start there. So why? So Mecca a uh, little girl asked, why does the letter W start with a D? That's really bothered me since, <laughs> since I heard that question. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do with that. That's a really great question. Uh, yeah, some people are catching on now. Okay, why does the W start with a D? Uh, Melvin asked, why does I'm up for it and I'm down for it mean the same thing? Claire asked, why don't crabs have eyebrows? These are, these are big questions people, people need to know. Uh, this is the last one. Kelsey tweeted, my daughter asked me recently while I was getting ready why I wear makeup. I sighed and told her to help me look less tired. Without missing a beat, my daughter asked me, are you done? Um, yeah, I'm done. What do you think? Maybe you need more. You look really, really, really tired. <laughs> Most of the time, I love the questions uh, that my kids ask me, but they, they do ask, and maybe if you're around kids or you have kids of your own, they're asking you lots of why questions. But as my kids get older, um, I've noticed their, their why questions are cha changing, and they're, they're actually more challenging. Um, uh, why is this so hard? Right? Uh, they're going through something difficult. Why does this hurt so much? Right? Why did this thing have to happen? to this person that I love or this person that I know. They're, they're asking really big, difficult questions, why questions. And my kids, I, sometimes I feel like I, I have an answer, and a lot of times I feel like I don't. I struggle to, to, to find a, a, an answer that helps them understand the reasons why behind their questions. And I struggle um, in the same way, I think, with the Lord sometimes. I struggle to understand and accept God's answers to my why questions or his lack of answers to my why questions. Um, the truth is that when we ask why uh, in this life, uh, whether kids or adults, we're in really good company asking the question why. Um, the Psalms, and not just Psalm 22, are full of why questions full of why questions. Just read through the Psalms and you'll encounter here. here. Here's Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 42. Why have you forgotten me? Why do you hide yourself? Why do you go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh God, he says in Psalm 74, why do you cast us off forever? Why does your anger smoke against the sheep of your pasture? One of the reasons I, I love the Psalms is they, they, they give us permission, I think, right, to ask God why. Sometimes maybe we're reticent to, to ask that. Where I, I at least know in my own prayer life, I'm tempted at times to sanitize my prayers, right, to, to try to find pretty words, to say pretty words to God, to say things that I think will be acceptable to God, worthy of God even. 
But the Psalms actually give us language and license to be real and to be raw and to be honest with God, to wrestle with our difficult feelings. In the Psalms, there are lots of different kinds of Psalms. And these kinds of Psalms that we're talking about, uh, that Psalm 22 is a, a perfect example of, is called a Psalm of Lament. A Psalm of Lament. A lament is, in the words of Psalm 130, a cry from the depths, a cry from the deepest part of, of who you are, crying out to God. The title of Psalm 102 actually gives a great definition of a, of a lament. It says, a prayer of one afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. That's what a lament is. Now, Psalms of Lament uh, can help us and minister to us in all kinds of, of circumstances, but they, they aren't just kind of pick-me-up prayers, right? Like if you're having kind of a bummer of a day or feeling kind of, in, in, you know, kind of bluesy, they're, they're, they're not that. They're, they're actually coming from a place much more deep and, and disturbing than just having a hard day. These prayers of lament are what comes out of us when there's a sense that there's nowhere to turn. There's nowhere to look. And we don't even know if we can turn to God. In my experience, this feels, it almost feels more like vomiting. <laughs> this, this sense of just crying out. It's something visceral. It's something that's coming from deep within. It's not a polite request. Right? It comes from a place of great trial and pain and requires us to speak from a place of brokenness. One of the most famous prayers of lament in the scriptures is Psalm 22. So I want to encourage you to look at these opening words of Psalm 22 in your Bible. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. It's a cry. You can feel it. It's just coming up. It's bubbling up. From deep within. These words are attributed to King David, and they were probably written around 1000 BC, so over 1000 years before the birth of Jesus. And while there are certainly times in King David's life when he would have felt this way, he would have felt forsaken, he would have been deeply troubled in the circumstances of his life, we actually aren't aware of any specific occasion that would have resulted in something this kind of like over the top, you might say, this extreme in terms of his language. But what's clear, even though we don't know the circumstances that led him to write this psalm, what's clear is that David has, uh, in a sense, hit rock bottom. His life is empty. He neither hears the word nor senses God's presence. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that. He's surrounded also by people who mock his suffering and his faith, mock his God. They dehumanize him. There's a lot of uh, this language of beasts, right, of dogs and lions. There's this dehumanizing effect of cruelty around him, and he feels overwhelmed with despair, and his death feels imminent. So that, that we know that just from reading through the psalm. But what's interesting is, after these initial verses, David's lament then turns to a profession of confidence. Did you notice that? Look at what it says in the next few verses. Yet, he says, yet, you, God, are holy. 
enthroned on the praises of Israel, like we just sang, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. So notice how uh, here, and this kind of goes back and forth. This is kind of back and forth in the psalm of, of crying out on the one hand and then confidences on the other. So he's crying out, and then there's a confidence, and they're kind of intermingled, and it's back and forth, vacillating, and it kind of feels confusing as you're reading through the psalm. Like, where, where is he? Where is his heart? And what I've found is this sounds hauntingly familiar to my own humanity. Right? The way that I pray sometimes, the way that I feel before the Lord, I, I'm all over the place. One minute I feel forsaken, the next I'm like, I'm trying to fight to believe, and I'm kind of back and forth. And so it sounds honest to me, to the human experience. Another gift of the Psalms. One minute reassure, the next questioning, and back and forth. Notice, too, that even at the beginning of the Psalm, in the darkest moment that David is experiencing, what does he do? He cries out to God. And he calls it my God. He calls God my God, and he cries out to him. My God, he says. In our desperate moments, we can feel far from God, can't we? When, when things are really hard, we feel overwhelmed. When, when things are not going well, when we can't feel God's presence, we're tempted to think he's not there and that he doesn't care. But like David, we can say with confidence, even in our anger, our confusion, our hurt, our fear, we can say, my God. We can start there. We can cry out with David, my God, my God. No matter what we feel, no matter what our circumstances are, we can say that. Now, I want to say that again because I think so often if we don't feel it, we don't believe it. God is there. God is there, and he does care. And so we can cry out to him no matter what we feel or no matter what our circumstances are. And so David cries out, and what happens is amazing in this psalm. What happens is that God brings to mind, to David's mind, in answer to his cry, he brings to mind truth, God's truth, which is what David is actually asking for. He's actually asking for reassurance. He's not asking for answers. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, let me give you a list, right? That's not what he's asking. He doesn't want God to explain it. What he looks for here is reassurance from the Lord. And so God gives it to him. God offers it by bringing to mind what? His past faithfulness. Do you see that? His past faithfulness, not just to his people, but to David personally. So he, he points back to all the ways that he's been faithful to, to David's forefathers, but then he also points to how he's been faithful to David personally. It's both the God of history and the God of, of intimacy, of, of per, personality, like he is with us. And so you get both, that's why he says in verse nine, yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth. David's remembering, oh yes, I remember how faithful you've been in the past. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. And so this remembering of God's faithfulness, where does that lead? So right, you have him, him calling out, crying out. Then you have this confidence and you have remembrance. And then ultimately it leads to what? To praise how amazing is it that a psalm that starts, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, results in the praise of the nations to the glory of God. Worthy is his name. How, how do you go from this to this? That's how. You're honest. 
You cry out, you complain, you're real with God. And in response, he reminds you of his faithfulness. In response to what he has done for you and is doing for you and will do for you, you can praise him even in the midst of our hardest times. So in Psalm 22, God, God ultimately answers David by delivering him from death and from his enemies. He answers his prayer. And David's psalm, it, it does, it turns to praise and thanksgiving. His praise is so overwhelming that it extends not just to his life, but to the whole world, right? He praises God for what he has done for Israel and what he will do for all of humanity. This is the God who delivers us. It's a testimony to the delivering power of God not just for him, but for all people. He, God, is our true hope. And one day he will deliver all who turn to him. He is worthy of praise. That's where the psalm lands. So Psalm 21, I would say, in a really helpful way, just if we're looking for a guidance to pray, we like the disciples would say, Lord, teach us to pray. Psalm 22 can teach us to pray, especially in times of suffering. It gives us a blueprint for prayer, not a, not a formula, but a blueprint, a path, a, a, a way that we can walk with Jesus in times of suffering and struggle. It begins with crying out in honest despair. It involves remembering God's past faithfulness and it leads us to praise and thanksgiving for who he is and what he has done and what he will do. Psalm 22 shows us that in his infinite wisdom and goodness, God doesn't always answer our why questions. You notice that? There's never actually an answer why. Why have you forsaken me? There's not an answer here, but what is offered is hope, real hope. It's truth for David's heart and for our heart. It reminds us, our troubled souls, that he alone can and will deliver us even in our deepest darkness. And reflecting on this psalm, um, I was thinking about an experience earlier in my own life this past year. Um, earlier this year, I was, I was in a really hard place spiritually, just really struggling. I felt very discouraged, um, deeply discouraged, um, maybe more than I ever have in my life. And I was struggling. I was wrestling with the Lord, and it felt like this. It felt like Psalm 22.1. Like I, I, I was crying out. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't feel the Lord's presence. I didn't hear the Lord speaking, and I didn't know what to do. And so for several nights, I was here in this room just praying and seeking the Lord. And even that was hard. I didn't want to pray. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling. You, just, you know you need to, and you just don't want to, right? And yet the Lord in that place, in that silence, was there. He was there. And he ministered to me even in, in the silence. And so what began to happen is I just kept showing up and showing up night after night, and the Lord met me. And I don't know how to explain it other than he, he allowed me to come to a place where I was on my face before him, crying out, my God, my God, where are you? I need you. I can't feel you. I can't hear you. And he showed up. And he showed up, and he's, he's kept showing up. In that moment, I asked him a question that I'd been afraid to ask him for, I think, most of my life, which was, where was he in my past? There have been some things that I went through when I was a kid that I didn't want to deal with because they were hard. And I didn't think the Lord was there. I didn't think the Lord showed up, right? And so in this moment, I felt the Lord ministering to me and through a friend ministering to me and encouraging me to ask him that very question. God, where were you? <laughs> where were you? 
Because I don't think you were there. And, and when I asked the Lord that question, I, almost immediately, God spoke to me. Not, again, an audible voice, but in my mind, in my heart. I knew it was the Lord. And his answer was, to my question, God, where were you? His answer was, I was there. And I just lost it. I just broke down. Because that was the truth. That was God's faithfulness in my past being brought into my sight. So I could see that he actually had always been there, and he was there, and he will always be there. And so in, in, in that process, I walked through Psalm 22, right? I walked through this process of, of being honest before the Lord and crying out to him. And, and in the midst of that, him calling me to himself to remember who he is and what he's done in my past and what he is doing now and what he promises to do through his son Jesus in my future. And so I find great comfort in a psalm like Psalm 22, because it creates a space for all of us to do that. We've all got things that we're afraid to ask God. We all do. And God says, ask. Ask me those hard questions. Don't sanitize your prayers. Come to me as you are. Bring your needs before me. And so as, as, as I went through that process and, and began to remember all the ways that God's been faithful to me, um, it brought me again to the cross. Actually, all that culminated on Good Friday, which was really powerful for me because it meant I was gathering with, with my church family to come to the foot of the cross. And there's nowhere, nowhere that God's love for us, his forgiveness and his love for the forsaken is more clear than on the cross. Jesus is God's definitive answer to these kinds of cries, the cries of his people. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27. I just read that. Those very words were on the lips of Jesus himself. Jesus' heart cry in his moment of dereliction was our heart cry. How amazing is that? The words of Psalm 22 were the words that were spoken by Jesus. In fact, did you know that Psalm 22, there's no uh, passage of Scripture from the Old Testament that's more referred to in the New Testament than Psalm 22. Psalm Psalm 22 is constantly referred to by the gospel writers, by Jesus himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what he cried out. The fullness of what Jesus experienced in the moment on the cross is, is in the fullest sense, a mystery. I don't fully understand it. And I don't think any of us will fully understand it until we're face-to-face with him in eternity. But what we do know is that Jesus took on flesh. He became fully human, even as he was fully God and that he was mocked and misunderstood, that he was manhandled and mangled, as one commentator said. His family, uh, they, they didn't get him. His closest friends sold him out. Despite his perfect faithfulness to his father, he ended up being nailed to a cross and suffering public humiliation and death. That was his path. And we know that when Jesus, the Savior of the world, cried out these words from Psalm 22, He was bearing the full weight of our sin on himself and the full wrath of God the Father. On the cross, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is actually working out our salvation as the forsaken. God became man and took our place and by his sinless voice, we hear our own sinful cry, crying out for mercy 
crying out for forgiveness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, we find the answer. Jesus is forsaken for us and for our salvation. Only because Christ was forsaken could Paul proclaim in 2 Corinthians, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For us, there is no hope apart from Jesus. In our sin, we are ultimately forsaken, cut off from God and from light. But because of what Jesus has done for us, we can come freely into the presence of the Father and plead for his help. We can pray Psalm 22 right along with Jesus. We can with confidence, as Hebrews says, draw near to the throne of grace. And so we can pray and walk through Psalm 22 to praise and the gratitude for what God has done for us in Christ. To end, I want to just encourage us, whatever questions you are facing, whatever why questions are dogging you, whatever despair or discouragement you are feeling right now, uh, or you will feel next week, or you will feel next month, or next year, Psalm 22 reminds us that we have real hope, real hope in a living Savior, Jesus. On the cross, God demonstrated his love for the forsaken. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So I want to encourage us to keep crying out. Keep crying out. Keep bringing him your questions and let the Holy Spirit remind you of who he is and what he's done for you in Christ. Keep crying out to the Lord. As we close, um, and as the kids go ahead and come on in, I want to invite us to stand and grab one of the red prayer books. Uh, This is a practice that we're taking up during this series in the Psalms. And what we want to do is we want to cry out to God together. We want to read Psalm 22. Uh, And so the words are on the screen, and if you'll um, follow along there or in your prayer book, I'll begin, and then you'll read after me, and we'll just kind of go back and forth as we work through Psalm 22. And we're going to read the whole thing. Um, I know it's 31 verses, but I think it's important for us to to take this journey together. Um, And again, the reason that we're doing this each week, the reason that we're doing this each week is we want to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us and do a work in us through these ancient songs to draw us to Jesus. That they would be for us, as I said last week, poetry on fire. That the Holy Spirit would minister to us and draw us to Christ. And I just wanna encourage you to to do this as a prayer. So again, maybe you're wrestling with something right now and these words really ring home for you. Maybe they don't today. But here's the thing, the more we pray the Psalms, the more we're prepared for when those moments do come. And we can draw on this truth and draw on this grace. So let's pray Psalm 22, uh, these words that God has given us. Let's pray them together. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then together, and are so far from my cry and from the words of my complaint. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. In the night season also, but I find no rest. But you remain holy, enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Our fathers hoped in you. They trusted in you, and you delivered them. They called upon you, 
and were delivered. They put their trust in you and were not confounded. But as for me, I am a worm and no man, scorned by all and the outcasts of the people. All those who see me laugh at me to scorn. They curl their lips and shake their heads, saying, He trusted in God that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him if he will have him. But you are he that took me out of my mother's womb. You were my hope when I was yet upon my mother's breast. I have been cast upon you ever since I was born. You are my God, even from my mother's womb. Oh, go not far from me, for trouble's near at hand, and there is none to help me. Many oxen have come around me. Fat foals of Bashan close me in on every side. They gape at me with their mouths, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart also in the midst of my body is like melting wax. My strength is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue cleaves to my gums. And you bring me into the dust of death. For many dogs have come about me, and the counsel of the wicked lays siege against me. They pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stand staring and looking upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But be not far from me, O Lord. You are my succor. Hasten to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and my soul in misery from among the horns of wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Oh, praise the Lord, that you that fear him, magnify him, all you seed of Jacob, and fear him, all you seed of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the low estate of the poor. He has not hidden his face from him, but when he called unto him, he heard him. My praise is of you in the great congregation. My vows will I perform in the sight of those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek after the Lord shall praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and be turned unto the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For the kingdom is the Lord's. And he is the governor among the peoples. All those who sleep in the earth, how shall they worship him? All those who go down into the dust, how shall they kneel before him? But my life shall be preserved in his sight, and my children shall worship him. They shall tell of the Lord to come. And to a people yet unborn shall they declare his righteousness, that he has brought it to pass. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.